0: The twenty third chapter of Hilchas Malva VeLeva, the laws of a lender and borrower. Today's chapter contains eighteen Halachas and deals with various details of a document or Shtar. Perak Shleshava Esrim, chapter twenty three, Halacha Aleph. Shtar ha Hamkdomin Psulim. Documents which are predated are invalid. Shahit Bahem Lakukha Shalai Kadin, because the lender will be able to grab land away from the buyers illegally. In other words, let's say Reuben has lent money to Shimon. And Reuben lent money to Shimon, really, in Tishrei. But instead, he wrote on the document that he lent him the money in Nissen many months before. In the event that Shimon cannot pay him back, Reuben will be able to collect from the belongings of Shimon, as we explained in previous Prakim. Furthermore, if Shimon had owned, uh, owned land and then sold it to a third party, let's call him Levi, Should Shimon not have with what to to pay back the loan to Reuben, Reuben will be able to take the field, which Shimon sold to Levi and grab it from Levi. However, he can only do that with land, which was sold after the loan, not before the loan. Let's say Levi bought a field from Shimon before Tishrei. Legally, he should have Reuben should have no power over this field. However, since the, the, the shtar, the document was predated, it appears as if the money was lent in Nisan, and therefore Levi's field is subject to the repayment of Reuben's loan, and therefore Reuben will be grabbing that field away illegally. And therefore, the sage is penalized. A person in the case of such a document and invalidated it completely, and therefore he cannot collect with such a predated document except from B'nai Khairim articles which are presently in the possession of the borrower. Why? Because perhaps he will grab land from the Lukuches from the first time which was written into the document as it was predated. In other words, as follows. As we explained previously in the alachas, the difference between an oral loan and a written loan is that in an oral loan, a milva alpeh, you can collect only from b'nei those that are in the possession of the borrower. If it's a milva beshtad, you can collect also from the mishubodim, from the Lukuches, from the third party. So, legally, once we know that this is a predated document, we should invalidate any... uh, uh, We should say that he should not be able to collect from anything before the proper date, only that which is after the proper date, not the date which is written in the document. However, our sages just penalized him that not only he should not be able to collect illegally from the earlier date, that for sure, but even from the later date, from the time that legally the land was meshubah to repaying his loan, even after this time, he still is not allowed to collect. To collect. The document is completely invalidated and the loan becomes like an oral one. If we can collect only from the B'nei Kheri. Halakha Beis. This all applies to a predated document. What about a post-dated document? A post-dated document, however, is valid. Why? What could go wrong here? The one that is holding this document, the lender, has lessened its power. Because now he's only going to be able to... Reclaim land from the time written in the document. Although he lent the money earlier and legally, anything after that time should be meshuba to repaying his loan. He will not be able to grab after that time since that's not the date written in the document. Really, he did, really, it should be Meshubah but he won't be able to collect until later, since he ruined it for himself. He weakened the shvach. It's valid. And even should it not be specifically mentioned in the document, that it is post-dated, it is nevertheless valid. If a document was written during the day, but only signed in the night immediately after. It's an invalid document. Because it is predated. The date written in the document is the, the one of the previous day, since it was called Zvuh Where in reality, the binding effect of the document only happens when the witnesses sign on the document. And therefore, it is predated by one day, since they only signed at night, and the night belongs to the next day in Jewish law. Really, it was it, the, the document was written one day early. However, if however they were occupied in this loan constantly until the night came in and then it was signed, in such a case, even though the kinyan was made at night, in other words, the kinyan Sudar, by picking up a garment, both parties raising it up, making thereby a, a symbolic kinyan, an agreement, Actually affecting the transaction, as explained the Hilchas Mechira. Even though even that was done in the nighttime, kosher. It is still valid. If the kenya was done during the day, then we won't mind that the, that it was signed later on at night, because in reality it was dated earlier, since it was Kazvul B'yayn. But that date was actually the finding time of the transaction. Although the witnesses signed later on, nevertheless, since there was a Kenyan earlier, we do not rely on the signature of the witnesses to seal the deal. The transaction doesn't conclude with them. The transaction was already completed at the time of Kabbalah's Kenyan. And therefore... It is definitely kosher. But even if the kinyan was done at night, since there were also poiseiinyin, and as the Gemara explains, everyone knows about it. Since they were constantly occupied in it, the word got out that the transaction took place, even though the witnesses have not signed, and it's still a valid document. Halacha dalet. Let's say the date written on a document is that it was on, written on Shabbos, or on the 10th of Tishrei, Yom Kippur. In this case, we know you're not allowed to write on Shabbos and not allowed to write on your Kippur. So either we assume that it was written, it was predated or post-dated. So which do we assume? So the Rambam says, It must be a post-dated document and is therefore kosher. Why don't we say it was really a predated document and therefore invalid? We do not worry that perhaps it's a predated document. And really it was written on Sunday and dated one day earlier Shabbos. Or that it was written on the 11th of Tishrei and predated to Yom Kippur. Rather we place this document in its presumption of validity. Because it's well known that you don't write a document on Shabbos, and therefore they wrote it to a later date since nobody would make a mistake. But once a document is pre- presented before us, properly written and with valid witnesses, we assume it's a kosher ashtar. And it's so obvious that one cannot write ashtar on Shabbos, that this does not ruin the power of the shtar. And therefore, since we could interpret it as being kosher or not kosher, we interpret it to the positive and validate it as a post-dated document. Halacha hey. shtar We are allowed to write a document and give it to a borrower, even though the lender is not present. However, conversely, we do not write and give a document to a lender unless the borrower is present. We suspect that if the borrower is not present, the lender will try to put something in the document or twist around the truth and thereafter be able to collect illegally from the borrower. However, the borrower has no such advantage from having a document. The document can only be used against him. However, when does this apply, that the borrower can have the document written even if the lender is not present? Only if in a document that has written in it that there was kabbalah's kinyin, as we explained in the Lacha Gimel, at the time of the document. Because after the time of the kinyin, that kinyin, meaning they lifted up an article of clothing and thereby sealed the transaction, all of his belongings became a shubah. They became subject to repaying the, the lender. And however, if the document does not stipulate that there was a Kenyan done at the time of the document we don't even write it to the borrower alone the lender is with him and we give the lender the document before us what do we have to worry about if there is no Kenyan written there Because perhaps we will write a document now for this borrower in the month of Nisan However, really, he did not borrow money yet. And he's not going to actually borrow the money until Tishrei. So what's the problem over here? And it's going to turn out that the Malve, the lender, will be able to grab away from the lakuches, from people that bought land from this borrower. From the time written in the document, which is Nissen, and it's going to be illegal, because really the land which was sold by the borrower between Nissen and the Tishrei was not Meshubah to repay the lender, because he has not yet lent any money. Because the doc, it did not reach him, did not reach his hand until Tishrei. Only in the month of Tishrei did the document reach him, and only at that time was all the land of Meshubah, and therefore, any land before that time he would be collecting illegally. That's only if there's no kinyin kin- written in the shtar. Should there be Kenyan written in the shtar, however, there is no problem since all the land even from Nissen was Halacha above. In this halacha, the discusses what would be in the case where there is a gap of time or in space between the actual transaction and the writing of the document. Witnesses. Who made a Kenyan sudur, a, a Kenyan, by lifting up a, a garment as means of a transaction from a borrower or from a seller or some similar person? But he says, man However, the time of writing the document was delayed a long time. So, which date do they write? Do they write the date that they are writing the document, or do they write the date of the transaction? In yo de yems ekonomi men obey, ke vin bstas man ha should they have remember the day in which the Kenyan took place, they write in the document the time of the Kenyan when the transaction became official. Even though it is not the time that they sign the document, and they do not need to write in the document and specify that we have delayed the the writing of the document until such and such a day. Rather, they do not need to mention the date in which the document is written whatsoever. This is all if they remember the date of the Kenyan. If they do not know the day in which the transaction took place. They write down in the document the day it was written, because then it will be a shtarma It will be written with a date which is later, a post-dated document, and nevertheless is kosher. And so too should there be a, a gap in space so too of one that gave over to the the witnesses, that they took testimony in one land, one place, and they are writing their testimony down, writing the document in another place. They do not mention in the document the place where they actually witnessed the event, but rather they write the place in which they are signing it that this applies to Mepharshim explained, if he did not write the date in which the transaction took place. Rather, they're writing the date in which the document is being written. Should they write the date the document is being written, they must write the place the document is being written, not the place in which the transaction took took to, to place. They must have it consistent with the date. If the date is when the document is written, so to the place must be where the document is written. Halach in this halacha differentiates between documents of a loan and documents of a sale. And we know that documents of a loan, that should they be predated, they're, they're possible, and should they be post-dated, they're valid. However, this validity does not apply to documents regarding a sale. Documents of buying and selling, which do not have the proper date, even should they be post-dated, are invalid. Why? It would be possible for someone to grab away the the bought object illegally. For example... Let's say that the seller re re repurchased this field from the buyer before the post-dated time has been reached. For example, Ruben sells a field to Shimon in Nissen. And the date on the shtar is Tishrei. And now Ruben, after selling the field to Shimon, repurchases it from Shimon before Tishrei. What's going to happen now? Reuben is holding the field. It's not yet Tishrei. Later on, Shimon can produce a document saying that he bought the field as of Tishrei. And as far as anyone will know, this this document is valid. The Yetzalah, the other one, meaning the original buyer, is going to... Uh, Yetzalah hashtar Ma'uchar, He's going to produce this post-dated document. The Yemar is going to say, Chazarti <laughs> pam That I repurchased this a second time from you. And Ruben's not going to have what to answer. He has no proof it's not like that. It will turn out he's grabbing it away illegally. However, here the Rambam asks, asks a question. We said that in a Shtarma Ukhar, a post-dated document, in the case of a loan, we are not worried about illegal collection of this debt. That since... The, the only thing that's happening by postdating the, the debt is that land will not become moshubot; it will be moshubot only from the later date instead of the earlier date. This is the choice of the lender; he is limiting the f- land which he will be able to collect from. However, now the Rambam compares the two cases. We can imagine a case similar to this in the case of loan. Why shouldn't we worry? The same thing regarding uh, postdated loan. Why What's, what could be?. Perhaps he's going to pay back before the time which is written in the document, the of and then he will get a receipt saying that he paid it off already, the And then the original lender will produce the post dated document and be able to grab away money illegally. Let's say it's in the almost exact same case. Reuben lends money to Shimon in Nissen and dates to Tishrei. If Shimon pays him back before Tishrei, even if he receives a shave it, a receipt for it, nevertheless, when it comes to Tishrei, he's already paid back, but, but there will be a, docu- a document. A shtar post-dated of Tishrei, in the hands of Reuben, he'll be able to produce it and collect since he has a valid document. So why don't we worry about this for a post-dated document in the case of a loan as well as in the case of sale? The difference is the shrever, the receipt. But if she a case of shtar that anyone who agrees to a, a post-dated document, meaning a borrower who agreed to write a, a post-dated document, he still can fix things up and protect himself by having the receipt written stamp without a date. Because as long, as any time, that the lender will produce his document, his post-dated document. For example, in Tishrei, he will be able to break it using his receipt, since the receipt has no date. Should he produce this document in Tishrei saying, pay me off, the borrower is holding on to receipt, which doesn't have a date. Since it doesn't have a date, he can easily claim that, it's, that it pays off this loan, since there's no date in the it. Let's say he writes, a date on the, on the shaver on the receipt, then that 's his fault. vimlay also came the of a shaver of his money who he did a if he did not do so, writing the the receipt without a date and he wrote the date that he paid back on the document. On the receipt, he had lost, he ruined things for himself. And in such a case that a person would be, make such an error, first of all, to post date the document and then to put a date on the shavar, on the receipt, therefore ruining any means of protecting himself. The Chachamid didn't worry about such a strange case since a person would not normally do such a thing. Allah Chachas, Machar Sadeo Bainas Masar Someone that sold his field by force. He was forced to sell his field under threat, and he was He gave a warning, a declaration of duress, by going to witnesses and saying that he is doing this under under compulsion. He does not wish by his own free will to sell the field, thereby invalidating the deal, invalidating the document. Or perhaps before this person came to force him, he hurried and sold the field or gave it away to another person before selling it to this powerful person who was trying to force him. The money which this person gave to the so-called seller is considered like a verbal loan. In other words, it is not considered payment since the transaction is invalid. It's rather as if he has lent this person money. And therefore, he cannot use the document which is in his hands in order to be tated from anyone else. He later on will be able to legally go back to the mecher. and The person he wanted to force to sell and ask him for his money back. But since it only has the law of an oral loan, should this mecher, the one he originally tried to force, no longer have any land, he will not allow to be tated from the lekeach that this person sold the land to someone else, he does not have the ability to use this document to collect from the Lekayach. Because legally, this document should never have been written. One cannot make a document under compulsion. And it was only written because of this person who was trying to force him. So to any similar case. Now, after mentioning in this last case... Our general principle that one can be teref, take away from the Lakukes, only should there be a loan with a document, not with a verbal one. But Ram now gives an exception to this rule. Allah There it is possible that a person should be able to grab away from the Lakukes even without a document, merely with verbal testimony. Kesar, how is this? He has witnesses that say that a certain object was stolen from his father and the thief has now sold this object to someone else and he is trying to regain it from the person that bought the object. He can take it away from the person that bought from the thief utilizing these witnesses even though there is no document substantiating the claim. And so too if there are witnesses that are Court case took place and it was concluded. And Paskin, so the person's father, that he is allowed to be Tatif to grab away the belongings from such a person's estate, from such a person's belongings, starting from such and such a time. But his father died and still has not reclaimed this this land. The son is allowed to grab away the possessions, utilizing this these. Witnesses, even though there is no document. Halakha Yud. The Rambam continues with the end of Halacha Tess and learns out another law from it. Lafiha, Therefore, since one would be able to be tated from the lakuches even without a document in such a case, in case when shnei Al sada achas, one is forbidden from writing two documents regarding a sale for the same field. For example, if the lekeach comes, the buyer says he has lost his document proving it's his, to write another document that he has bought it. Why can you, must you be sure that there are not two such documents? Because Shemayaseh lekeach knunya imbalchev v'yitref shalekedin. Perhaps the buyer will make a conspiracy with the lender and grab away money illegally. Ketzad, how is this? To simplify the case, let's give everyone names. Ruben's father was the original lender and he lent money to Shimon. Shimon had a field which he sold to Levi. Now, as we mentioned the end of Alachataz, in this case, if Ruben has witnesses that, his, that the din was completed, that his father could grab away the field from Levi for the money owed him by Shimon, he is allowed to do so even though there is no document. So what could happen if we write two documents for this lokeach for, for Levi that he has purchased the field? This person, Ruvain, is going to come along, grab away the field, which is in the possession of Levi, utilizing the testimony that people gave regarding his father. So Levi is going to lose the field. However, Levi now is not left totally lost. Since he bought this field also with Achrayas, he's going to be able to go back to Shimon and claim his money back from Shimon. And should Shimon not have any money, he will be able to collect from people who bought after Shimon sold this field to Levi. Just as when Reuven Made the loan to Shimon. Anything Shimon does thereafter is Meshuba to pay off Le- uh, Ruvain. So too, when Shimon sold this field to Levi, anything he did thereafter was meshubet to pay off Levi. So now Levi is not going to be stuck out in left field without a field. So the Lekeach lady is going to use the Shtar Mecher, the document proving that he bought this land, and he's going to take away from other buyers who bought land after that he did from Shimon. And he's going to take it away from them. What's going to happen then? The Yikra Shtar Mecher In order to ensure that he should not collect a second time using this document, the judges will tear up this Shtar Mecher, this document which lady was holding, showing he bought the field. Up till now, everything is fine and legal. However, now the conspiracy begins, because Levi is still holding a hidden stash. Now they will go back and make a conspiracy. The And Levi will take possession of the field, which has already been reclaimed from him by Reuven, and he will stand in there as if nothing happened to begin with. And what's going to happen? This conspiracy between Levi and Reuven will begin again. They they will... Along will come Reuven again and grab away the field from Levi utilizing his testimony. Should he have grabbed the field away with... a? with a document, then we would tear up the document and he would not be able to do so a second time. But now there's not a document. There are witnesses over here. He'll take these witnesses to another court. They will testify that they heard that his father was allowed to collect from the, uh, as a result of the loan which Shimon owed him, and the, so he will be able to take back this field from Levi. Really, the field belongs to him anyway, but it just appears as if Levi is, is sitting in the field. So it will appear to everybody that he's grabbing the field away from Levi. And now Levi says, look, I lost the field now. And he can prove that the field belongs to him because he has a second document, the second Shtar Mecher. And he will take this back to Shimon. And he will take away from other Lekuches illegally, since he already grabbed away from Lekuches legally the first time. The second time is illegal. He has already been repaid, repaid back for the money he used to buy the field. So, if so, if you can run into such problem from two documents, what happens when somebody loses a shtar mechar and the witnesses are still alive, what should he do? Because he can run into this problem. He needs a shtar, a document, to prove that he owns the field. However, if we write him a second one, we have to worry about this conspiracy. So we do write him a second document. However, we write in the document Shtar One cannot use this document to collect from other from other possessions. Not from belongings which are Meshuba to this to this Shtar Mecher, and not from belongings which are presently in the possession of the seller. And we only wrote this document in order to, to, to substantiate that this field is in the possession of such and such a person who bought it, in order that the seller or his heirs should not take the field away from him. But we do not intend to give this document such a strength that the... That the buyer should be able to grab away from other lukuches in the event that the field is grabbed away from him. However, this that we write another shtat is only in the case of a sale. However, Re- documents regarding a loan, this is not true. Even though the witnesses as to the loan are still existing. And there was a kenyan done at the time of the loan. And they witnessed this transaction take place. And the lender comes back and he says, This document which you wrote for me, you witnesses signed, I just lost it or it was burned up in a fire. We do not write for him another, a second document. Because, because perhaps he already paid off, the loan was already paid off, or he was Meichel, he gave up on collecting this loan, he was Meichel, he gave it up altogether. And now he has regret that he was Meichel and he wants to write another document. And even if the witnesses say that the loan was written for a certain time period and we have a chazaka as mentioned previously in these halachas, a presumption, a person does not repay a loan early. Nevertheless, we do not rely on this chazaka because since the document is no longer in in existence, it has been lost or burned by the claim of the lender. Therefore, this chazaka has also been weakened and we cannot depend on it in order to write a second document. We are afraid that we are, he's going to use this document in order to collect illegally. And therefore, We are not allowed to utilize these witnesses to collect anything at all. Unless the borrower says that nothing at all ever happened. Not only that there was never any loan to begin with. In this case, He is considered to be a kafir. He is denying, a, a false denier of their testimony Kamoshi is borrowed. As will be explained in the sixth chapter of and Vinitin, the law of Huxa Kafran, that once somebody is known to be lying, he cannot change his claim later on. Here, since he claimed he never borrowed, he is in clear discrepancy with the witnesses, which we believe, who say that he did borrow money at one time, since he says that he never, ever borrowed money he has not believed, and then we can utilize these witnesses to collect. Halachiyud days. A person, a lender, whose document that he has owed money is decaying and is beginning to be erased. He takes the witnesses who originally signed the document and comes to court. And the Jewish court, the Bezdin, will write a confirmation that it is a valid document. However, the witnesses themselves may not write another document. Even if the previous document is erased in front of them and destroyed, and therefore there would not be two documents in existence, they are nevertheless forbidden themselves from writing a brand new document. Rather, they should come to court, and the court, the bezdin, will write a confirmation for that previous document, and with this keiim, together with the the document the lender will be able to collect. How do you write the qiyum, the writ of confirmation for such a document? we write a second document for Eimrim, and it says Onu be,y you you. We, the Bezdin of person number one, two, and three, a certain person produced a document which is erased in front of us. He produced it in front of us. At the time of the document is such and such. And these were the witnesses. And of course, he must write also the amount of the, who the borrower was, and the amount of the loan, and the other pertinent details should they add in the document that we listen to the testimony of these witnesses and it turns out to be valid he is allowed to collect with this document and he does not need any other key any other confirmation of his erased document however if they did not write that they investigated and ask the original witnesses. Let's say the original witnesses of that original erased document are no longer available. And we merely must read the present document and use these witnesses to validate it. New witnesses who will read the document in front of the court. In this case, We must bring some other proof on the first witnesses until we can confirm their testimony. To confirm... That their signatures are proper and so on. Only then will be the court write a proper keyum. shtar A document of a loan, a shtar which is ripped up, should it be torn, is nevertheless valid. Nimchak Should it be erased or blurred? Im reshumen Should you be able to recognize the trace of the writing, it is nevertheless valid. Valid. And this, we say, however, that it's ripped. It's still kosher. Is if It's ri- ripped without a particular order. But nikra kera bezdin, let's say it should be torn, as it is normally done in a bezdin, that the bezdin invalidates a shtar by tearing it, had a posel. Then it is invalid. And azel zel kera bezdin, how is the way a bezdin tears up? Shesive ed lengthwise and crosswise. That is the way it tears it up. If you see a tear in such a form, it means that the bezdin has done it, and therefore... It is an invalid shtav. Halacha <laughs> Tzvav. A borrower who has paid off his loan partially. He can switch this document, which is now partially paid off, and write a new document, and the court can write for him a new document with what is remaining from the loan. And he can predate it to the original date of the loan. However, the witnesses are not allowed to do so It must be done in court. And should the lender desire, he can write a, a receipt showing the amount of money which has been paid. Either tearing up the old document and writing up a new one for the new amount would be good, or leaving the old document and merely writing a receipt that has been partially paid is also sufficient. Allah a person that's coming to pay off his loan. The lender says that I lost the document. Normally when the borrower pays off the lender, he's going to demand the document in return. But the, here the lender says he doesn't have it anymore. We have the lender write the borrower a receipt that he has paid off, and then he pays off the entire debt. Because later on, if he will produce this document and try to collect a second time, the borrower will be able to produce a receipt and it will be sufficient. However, there still is some inconvenience to the borrower. He must guard this receipt for the rest of his life. Therefore, Therefore, the Therefore the borrower, can make a statement of excommunication against anyone who was holding on a document, holding on to a document against him and is falsely claiming that he lost it. And furthermore, should the borrower make a definite claim, I know that he is holding on to this document and he just put it in his pocket. He's still holding it. Should he make such a claim, the, the, My teachers ruled that we have the lender take a rabbinic oath that he has lost the document. And only only afterwards, Only afterwards do we have the borrower, pay off the loan, and then we write for him a receipt. Allahu yidzayin. To to understand this halacha properly, we must review the law. We learned at the beginning of Pederk Yudalit of Hilchus Malva Voleva of Ashtar Pogum. If one is holding a document which is pogum, meaning that it has partially been repaid, the document says a hundred and we know that it has been partially repaid, the law is that this is Ashtar Pogum; it is a blemished document, and the law is that the lender cannot collect with it unless he makes a Shvua. A lender produces a document showing that he is owed a hundred. And he wishes to have it rewritten. Write me instead two documents, each one saying that I am owed fifty. What's the difference having two documents of fifty and one of a hundred? So the Ramam rules ain't We do not write it for him. Because there is a difference between the two. Because it is better for the borrower to have it all written in one document. A hundred and one document is better than fifty and two. Because if he will pay back the loan partially, he will weaken the strength of this document. There will be a star pogum, and later on, should the lender wish to collect with it, he will have to collect only with a shvua. So, therefore, if he pay, it is broken into two documents of fifty. He will pay off partially fifty, and the other person will have a fully strong document. It is to the advantage of the borrower to leave it one big loan in a way because then if he repays it will become a shtar But so too conversely there's also an advantage having it as two documents instead of one. So too if the lender produced two documents each one for 50. And he to ask the witnesses or the court to convert it into one document that he owes a hundred, ain't We don't do this for him either. And kiyim Rather, the court confirms the validity of each of these two documents. Because it's a positive thing for the borrower to have it too. Although there's an advantage to having one, as we said before, there's another advantage of having it too. Because then it would be more difficult for him to force in judgment on both documents together to pay everything at one time. Should there be one document of a hundred, when he brings, when the lender brings the borrower to court, he will force him to pay the entire loan, the entire hundred. Should there be two separate documents? The court is more likely to look at them as two separate debts. And therefore, it would be less likely they are going to force him to pay everything at once. Therefore, it's to the advantage of the borrower in a way to have two documents. Since there's one advantage of having two, and another advantage of having one, we cannot listen to the lender and have the document rewritten without the permission of the borrower. Now, the final lach of the yitches. a Let's say the lender produces a document saying that he is owed a hundred, v'omar kru. He says, rip up this document and write me another one that I am owed 50. This would seem to be a very innocent claim. If anything, he is showing that he is owed less money now. It is as if he is admitting himself that 50 of it has been paid already. And now he's only owed 50, so he wants a document for that. Ain't shamingly. We do not listen to this request, says the Rambam. Because Shema Hako Perhaps the lender, has, the borrower has already paid off the entire hundred. Because of and he has already written him a receipt for a document of a hundred. That he has already paid back a hundred, as would be, as we mentioned in Allah HaTazayin. For example, the lender claimed that he lost the document. He would merely write a receipt, in the first case of Allah HaTazayin, write a receipt to the borrower that everything has been paid, and then he is holding his document. Now, this document itself is going to be useless for him, because if he produces it, the borrower will be able to produce a receipt that it's already paid. So now, what would be if he rewrote it that he's only owed 50? So perhaps it was already paid, and he wrote a receipt that he has paid off, that the borrower has paid off the document which said he owed 100. <laughs> And when he produces the substantiation, the confirmation of Bezdin with a new document that he is of 50, the Yetzel Leva and the borrower will produce the, do, the receipt that he has already paid off the entire hundred, the lender will be able to claim that this is another document you have a receipt that you paid off the document of 100. But you see, I have a brand new document that you owe me 50. And we will not be able to tell from looking at this document that it really was based on the previous document of 100, which he was hiding and claimed was lost and did not produce when he came to collect his money from the borrower. Therefore, the luck is when he comes to say, tear up this stock, and might write me one even of less value, we still don't do it because he might be using this Shtar to indicate that he has a completely different loan and therefore indirectly bypass the receipt which has already been written.